Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. This is an episode that is listener questions, but all questions from Torsten Bauer, my shack-loving friend from Germany, from Frankfurt. We've not met, but we've had a number of conversations over Zoom, and he's a very intelligent guy, very passionate about Shaq and basketball cards as well. I had a bunch of his questions and thought, I'm just going to get him on the line and we'll discuss them all together. Very impressive guy, doing English as a second language, and we're having a good time going back and forth about the good old days of basketball and the good new days, too. So thanks, Torsten, and thanks, sponsors, Top Panini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Compsy.com. And Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So thanks, Torsten. If you want to have your own listener question episode like Torsten does and John Keating has had and Rich Klein has had and a, a few others, send in some intelligent questions. Send a bunch of them. I'd love to visit with you about them because never going to run out of topics of things that make the hobby great. So here it is. Welcome, Torsten Bauer. I've been accumulating your questions and I'm going back to episode... 815, most people have difficulty figuring out what their favorite episode is in the podcast. You don't, because you apparently prefer the Torsten Bauer question episodes <laughs> are your favorites. There's some of my favorites too, but if somebody else wants to copy Torsten, first of all, have insightful comments, be a faithful listener, and be an all-around sharp guy. That's the recipe. That's why we're doing this, Torsten, because I've got a bunch of your comments, and I'm looking forward to going through them with you. Okay, you mentioned you also, in your PhD, in your academic or other experience, also note the difference in hobby readership and in your field. The journal articles that I wrote that were refereed, that were published, there Mm -hmm. are citation indexes that will tell you exactly how many people downloaded your article. It's pretty underwhelming. There are not many people that read. Now, my article's almost 50 years old now, but still not many people referencing those articles in their scholarly work. And that doesn't make it worse. It's just different. We're hobbyists. And uh, you mentioned the passion you have for Shaq. And some of the posts that you've made about Shaq have brought you a lot more fame or notoriety or acclaim than your physics or something else that you're doing. Yes, that is true. Yeah, Fame might be a little bit much, but you're exactly right. If you think about it, that sometimes you work for years, at least months, to do a scientific publication. And then you have a lot of work with the referees and you have to rewrite it and you have to (laughs) do a lot of things to, to get it published. And then in the end, you get seven citations, which is not a lot. And... When I write a post, maybe I work an hour or so on Instagram, I write some maybe insightful posts, but they are not comparable to what I did back then when I was at university doing some nuclear physics publications. The first time that occurred to me was when my professor back then, he told me that he was checking YouTube back then and he said, it's incredible. If he would do something on the guitar, he would get like hundreds of clicks. And for his work, he might get 20 or 50 citations, even though he's a renowned professor in his field. So that's a great discrepancy. Scholarly work is still important, but it's important to less people. My publications are older than yours, so I've had more opportunity for citations. But I'm wondering now, if I look at the citation index and the count, the reason my count is higher than you is because I have sports card hobbyists checking out my publications from 45, 50 years ago to see what I wrote when I was a (laughs) professor. 
and they had maybe no interest in the statistical theories that I was writing about. And that might be true for you as you gain more and more hobby recognition. They'll be checking out your academic <laughs> articles. So that was fun. Like the professor with the music and you with your shack posts. Those are not trivial. Those are important and they're appreciated by people. And there's just a lot more people interested in shack than there are interested in nuclear physics or higher level statistics. It was a necessary thing for me to get tenure. I had to do these journal articles that were refereed and all that. Okay, second comment was on episode 829, which was the interview I really enjoyed with Clemente Lisi, the journalism professor that loves soccer. He likes hockey too. Your comment on that had to do with some of the sports, especially other than baseball and maybe even basketball. When you have a team sport, there's a lot of intangibles. And the intangibles are especially problems in soccer. People, if they're not into soccer, if they don't watch the game, they're just going to look at the statistics. And unless there's some very advanced level statistics, which are probably not well understood either, it's hard to get a sense of who the superstars are, other than who everybody says are the Messi and Ronaldo, you know, and all that stuff. Then you mentioned the modern athletes with better medicine and training and can have longer careers and be healthier. In, in Germany, when we look at a, a soccer game, th there is no such thing as a box score as I'm used to in basketball. You see who shot the goals, you see maybe the assists, and then you see which team had how much possession uh, or how many corner kicks or whatever. But of course, there are advanced statistics now, but they are not as popular as in the American sports. So it's much harder to know what was going on in the game if you didn't see it. So when I check a basketball box score, I see a lot from just the stats on the score. Of course, there are some more advanced stats, which I don't know, but you can see if LeBron scores 15 points, it wasn't a good game for him. If he scores 30 points, he probably had a good game. And then you see his percentage from the field and his three-point percentage and so on. Yeah, It's a lot easier, I think, to judge the game just from the amount of statistics. That just makes it more difficult, understanding the relationship of the values for different soccer players. You mentioned mm -hmm. longevity. I think soccer players can have a long career, but I don't know that there's a lack of loyalty, but it seems like a lot of the best players can change teams. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean they're bad. It means they're desired. It's, they're moving up. I think it comes down to in soccer, if I were to be sitting in the stands and listening or talking to the average fan or reading the papers, for that particular team, who are the fans talking about? It might be somebody playing defense, might be the goalie, it might be a midfielder, but who are they talking about? What is the buzz? Might not be based on statistics. It's just the way they play the game. So the question is, are people buying a ticket to go see that player who's their favorite player on the team? If that's the case, then I think the cards for that player will be worth more. Somebody will be mm -hmm. buying them up because I think in soccer, though, a lot of people are like a fan of the team and they yeah. love the whole team and they probably would want to collect the whole team, even if they're not the superstars. Yeah. And of course, there are more role players in a soccer team than in a basketball team, for example. Yeah. Who are and maybe role, almost yeah. never going to score a goal. Yeah. And I think role players never play a role in the hobby. That's the way it is. They are very good players, but... 
Rarely do they even get good insert cards. If you stay on the same team, you're a role player, and you're really appreciated, you're not going to have a broad base of support, but you may have some collectors that collect players just because they've been on that team and they're an important member of the team, even though they're not a star. And that happens in all the sports. Although baseball, you have your own individual statistics more so, I think, even than basketball. Basketball, you are affected by your teammates more. Then going on in episode 840, the other part of the Clemente Lisi interview, what I was going to say is that soccer and hockey are the same in that I think people, whether they're watching on TV or watching at the game, they watch the ball. The true fan of hockey or soccer is watching in a broader context. They could narrow it down at some point when somebody's getting ready to take a shot on goal but they have a more panoramic, broader view of the field than just watching the puck. In fact, that's why people don't like hockey on TV, because it's hard to follow the puck. In soccer, you can see where the ball is, but where the ball is going is what the soccer fans know. They know somebody is open or somebody's starting something. I don't know a lot about hockey, but I think it's similar to soccer that it's more error-oriented, right? You talk about the people who made the mistake that led to the goal. Yeah, That's not the fact in basketball, where it's more about success of the players who scored the most points. Uh, yeah, That's a different game when the score is only 2-0 or 1-0. Yeah. They, they talk about a hockey assist, which is the person that passes to the guy who passes mm. to the guy, secondary assist. That's also important in basketball. It's also important in hockey, obviously, is that you're setting it up, maybe not for the score, but for the person that enables the score but there's no substitute if you're a collector of cards in a certain sport and players in that sport i believe you need to know the sport yeah when i say that success in this hobby is based on knowledge it's not just knowledgeable about the cards that's important too but really mm -hmm. knowledgeable about the sport too yeah totally agree Okay, 845, you had a question about the seven listener questions you've mentioned it's an interesting question about experience in the hobby whether it's a necessity and uh, made me realize I don't think I've been that clear that being in a leadership position in the hobby, I think experience in the hobby is required. I don't think it's required as much that you have experience in the hobby. If you're a hard worker, you love sports, not maybe even a collector, but if you started out at Tops or Panini or Upper Deck and were a hard worker, you could work your way up. But I wouldn't want that person in charge making decisions because they don't have the context. I make a big distinction between leadership. And that's one of the things that's come up is that when these newer companies and older companies, when they're hiring executives from outside the industry, you've just got to be careful. Now, Fanatics has done that. They have people in charge of some of their areas that don't have a lot of card experience, but they have a lot of sports marketing experience. I'm hopeful you're representing Germany and Europe here is that Fanatics is going to make it a more global experience. And many of the executives they've hired, it's hard to find yourself notwithstanding people around the globe that have experience in the hobby because it's just not as well developed in some of these other countries. And yet I'm hopeful that Fanatic, one of their initiatives will be to make card collecting more global. And I think that's going to happen in the next 10 years. I don't think they can increase the participants in the hobby by 10 times without a very healthy proportion of those people being global. European, 
as well as Asian. I think Asia is already coming along. Australia, I think Europe right now is underrepresented, I believe. I don't have an idea why it should be, because there are a lot of great sports fans in Europe. And we collect stuff and we buy a lot of merchandise. And it's a shame that the card industry is not stronger here in Europe. Yeah, it's well, maybe a missed opportunity. There's generational aspects to where if people didn't do something as a little kid, then they don't mm. necessarily do it as an adult. But I think the great hope for global card collecting is soccer. I really believe yes. it is. Basketball is a global sport. And I'd like to see greater distribution of basketball in Europe. And Fanatics may be the one to do that. It's surprising because Panini is an Italian company. Yes. <laughs> But they mainly are just doing the stickers over there. I'm afraid that what might not be working is those expensive packs, those high-quality cards, yeah, because that has no tradition here. We are used to the stickers, which are maybe a, a euro per pack or so. Yeah. I think that's a challenge. you know. Again, and stickers are huge business. We're just giving advice to these people, but more of the brands that have a more comprehensive checklist that are more popularly priced, they could still have some inserts, some parallels, some autographs, some game used. But I think a focus on the roster, the complete players that they would see. And so some of those products with a lower price point, that's the way I would ease into it. They could try it. They can experiment with it. But I think when they put in cards that are 50 US dollars or 100 US dollars a pack and some of these boxes, a $500 box that has one pack in it with four or five cards. I don't think Europe is ready for that, but I think they'll try it and they'll see.